ready. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for returning once again to Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. That's right. That is me. Uh, I try to keep my podcasts upbeat sometimes, you know, eh, get a little carried away every once in a while, right? But uh, today we have a serious topic. It's called depression, the 51st state. You know, you got the state of New York, you got the state of Nebraska, you got the state of Maine, right? You got the state of depression in this country. And it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And guess what? It's big business too. So I, I, I try to keep um, too much of my personal stuff, I guess, out of this. You know, I try to, I try to, I try to uh, remain as neutral as I can. I don't know if I do that or not. I, I bet my wife says I don't do it. I bet you say it too. Uh, I just, I'm not looking at that. So I'm just doing my thing, right? I'm getting the facts and I'm presenting them and whatever the, whatever the outcome is, you and I are discovering it together because I'll tell you something about this podcast. Um, it's only 30 minutes long, and the reason for that is because I'm good at the 45-minute relationship, right? Uh, and so every 15 minutes, I walk away from my... Every 45 minutes, I, I walk away from my wife for 15, and I come back, and we're in love again. That's pretty much the way I view that, you know? And I think it's a safe way to say we, we, we've been married a long time because of it. Um, and some of that has to do with a lot of... That 15 minutes that I'm gone has to do with the self-reflection that I spend, you know, trying not to be depressed about who I am half the time because I... I am, you know, I am a, a manic depressive with bipolar tendencies. And if you, you haven't figured that out from this podcast, you may not be listening closely enough. Or, not, or maybe I'm hiding it too well, which would be a sign of my bipolar tendencies, right? So, and I, I tend to uh, overexamine myself. Uh, I do it to sometimes a state of um, inertia. You know, I need somebody to move me and my wife is there to do that. And that's good that I have her there. That's, that is a main function of the wife around here, right? Inertia for the husband. <clears throat> so um, I've worked uh, hard at one thing consistently my whole life. It's either consciously or unwittingly, maybe even unaware of creating motion in my life. You know what I do well? I do well. I move forward. Yeah, I do that well. Um, you know, I get bumps and bruises, right? And I get close to death and I, I, got, I get everyone around me crazy, but, but I move forward. And sometimes it, it's through sheer terror or maybe overconfidence, but nothing. And I mean this, right? No one can stop me from doing so unless I stop me. You have to ask yourself, right? Are we doing that? Are we stopping ourselves here? Because sometimes it's okay to stop yourself, right? You know, sometimes it's okay to press that button that says, halt, one minute, I might be doing something dumb. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Don't worry. Like even in the middle of baking a pie, you know? Oh, wait a minute. That's not what the direction just said. I better check if that was salt or sugar, right? Simple. All right. So uh, I, I've stopped many times, I promise you. I've done it. As a manic depressive with bipolar tendencies, you know, stopping is neither relaxing nor fun, especially when the stop sends you propelling forward aimlessly, right? Your arms flailing, your legs tumbling over your head, hurtling through space. There's no visual reference to, to judge how fast or how slow you are going. No, all you can see is that tiny dot of light, right? That speck far, far away. It, it doesn't get any closer, I promise. But as you're spinning in this void of depression, you lash out at the darkness. You're trying to straighten yourself and you're getting angry and you're lashing out. But it's, it's only dark to you, right? Everyone else is in the light. And all you need to do, I promise, sometimes is just stop yourself and lay prostrate. <laughs> and you will head straight for them through the darkness. 
watching the light getting closer and closer. Your interior engine, right? It starts running again. It's like pushing the, it's like push starting a manual transmission. Remember when you was a kid, hey, give me a push. I got to get the car started, right? And, and pop in the clutch. And then you roar into the light and you're swimming in it like for however long this feeling will allow you to swim in it until once again, that light is inexplicably switched off and you have left, all you've got left is yourself floating aimlessly again, alone in the dark, searching for another point of light. My God, how do you open a podcast like that, right? How do you, how do you do that? But you got to do it. You got to let people know this is what it looks like. If you're standing in the darkness and you don't know what it looks like, I'm giving you a description. If you don't know what you're doing in the darkness, I'm telling you what other people see because they're not in the darkness with you. They're in the light. This state of depression that this country has entered is scary. And this is what it looks like the rest of the world looking in, right? As a collective country, because we are a collective country. We do have borders, remember? Remember those? We've got those somewhere. I know. They're just hard to define lately. And that's the way depression is. It's a border that's hard to define. You slip in and out of it. People never know where they're going in depression, do they? You know, sometimes they know exactly where they're going and it isn't good. <laughs> and you want to get to the good parts, right? You know, it's, this is my description of what my manic depressive moods feel like. Yours may look different. They look like this. This is the shape they take. If I had to draw it for you, like if I was a, a, an artist, I would need to start with a black canvas, a, just a black one, not a blank one, a black one. Right? As the painting expanded through the use of my brush, the colors would only slightly start to fade from total blackness to a barely visible form darting through the blackness like an arrow heading for the smidgen of light, yellow in color at, at the other end of the painting. Right? You, you would really have to look to see my form, but it would be there. Coming together in the darkness out of nothing, like being beamed aboard the Enterprise on a transporter. The unfortunate part about the painting is that, you know, it paints you into a space and time forever frozen, right? It cannot show you entering the light. It shows only the terror of the never-ending journey. Now, that's, that's crazy. You don't want that to be like that in your life. Nobody wants a never-ending terror ride. <laughs> Who wants that? You know, there are people that live their lives every day like that. I don't see how that's possible. That little thing that I was talking to you about just now, um, uh, that's an excerpt from a manuscript that I finished. Uh, it's a labor of love, uh, but that's, you know, that's for another discussion, right? We don't mix those things around here. Uh, it happens to give you a, a brief understanding of how one feels, meaning me, in a state of possible manic depression. So I understand this whole state of depression implicitly. I don't need, I don't need a lot of crazy, you know, facts. I'm going to give them to you anyway, because that's what we do here, right? But I don't need a crazy amount of facts. I just need to tell you how, who I am and how that worked out for me and how it works out for me. And maybe, maybe, maybe there's something similar between us. And if there's something similar between us, I promise you, you're not crazy. And, and guess what? Even though you're listening to this and you may discern something different, I am not crazy either. Okay. Depression is a mental health disorder that affects a significant portion of the population worldwide. It is a condition that can affect people of any age, gender, ethnicity, no matter who you are, no matter what social status you have, doesn't matter how much money you have. Depression is a serious illness, and it can cause a person to feel sad and hopeless and helpless for really long periods of time, you know? The condition can significantly impact a person's life, relationships, 
your work, your daily activities. We're going to talk about some of this depression, its causes and its symptoms, and maybe some treatment options, okay? And we're going to do it in 30 minutes. And I hope, I hope that's not too fast, but I hope, I hope you understand why it can't be longer, okay? Depression is a mood disorder, right? It affects a person's emotional and physical health. It's not just your brain. It's your body, too. It's why you can gain weight on depression. It's why you can lose weight on depression, right? It can be caused by several factors, including genetics, right? It can run in your family. It runs in mine. Uh, environmental factors c- combined with a bad childhood, right? And life events com- combined with all that other stuff. For some people, depression may occur without any apparent cause, while for others, it, it's uh, a result of significant life events, such as a, t- a loss of a, of a loved one, you know, God forbid, a traumatic experience or a significant change in your life, maybe a job change, maybe no job, hmm? right? The symptoms of depression can vary from, you know, person to person. However, Right? Common symptoms of depression include persistent sadness, loss of interest in activities, changes in your appetite, changes in your sleep patterns, the feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, a lack of energy and motivation, and difficulty concentrating. If you recognize these symptoms that I'm giving you, you may be in a state of depression. Do you need to overanalyze yourself at that point? No. Do you need to say, do you need to say, hey, is it possible I'm in a state of depression and I don't really know? Because yes. You know, every time, that's how it starts. It isn't like one in 10. It's 10 out of 10. That's how depression starts. You have no idea you're in it. And then all of a sudden, you, you're, you're putting on weight or you're losing weight or you don't want to do things that you were doing before, like go to the gym, right? I mean, maybe you're taking on new habits, okay? Maybe you're spending too much money, huh? All right, that happens to me, you know? Maybe you're just getting strange body aches. You have no idea what they're from. Maybe your back hurts and it never did before and you didn't do anything to aggravate it and you want to know why. I know, right? I've been there, done that. Depression is a treatable condition, so don't worry about it. You're not going to die uh, unless you want to, and that's terrible. Don't do that. And several treatment options are available for people who suffer from depression. So one of the most common treatments for depression is psychotherapy or talk therapy. Um, psychotherapy involves talking to a therapist to help identify and address underlying issues that may be contributing to your depression. Uh, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, it's a form of a psychotherapy that's been proven effective in depression. Like, um, it's important to this podcast that it needs to be discussed for what it is first, right? So CBT focuses on the connection between a person's thoughts, their feelings, and their behaviors. So it's very, it's very connection-driven. The therapy is based on the idea that negative thoughts and beliefs can contribute to negative emotions and behaviors. So if you're sitting there going, oh, I look terrible, you, guess what? Yep, you're going to look terrible, not just to you, but to other people eventually. Okay, so don't do that. Stop telling yourself you look terrible. You're not, you don't look terrible. You look the way you're supposed to look. Okay, that's it. That's the explanation. Hey, man, you don't look so good today. Uh, you feeling all right? I look the way I'm supposed to look. What does that mean? What do you think it means? I mean, Right? This is how you answer questions all day long. People are crazy. Don't, don't be crazy with them, please. Uh, by addressing challenges well, like these negative thoughts and beliefs, CBT aims to help people develop more positive ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving. Right? I think the CBT is a good stuff, and it works well for people with um, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Uh, I'm an ex-military guy. I've done some things, right? So um, I've been in some situations, okay? And you could easily start to think about those things and bring negative thoughts upon yourself 
for the way you've handled them or the way you had to handle them. How about that? Whether you had a choice in handling them or not in the way you did, you still had to do what you had to do in life, right? No matter what it is. And you feel terrible about it, but that's the choices you were left. You were left with no plan or a shitty one. And guess what? You got to have some kind of plan so the shitty one happened. Then that's what depression is about. I promise. It's about the shitty plans. Okay? Not having an extra one. That's what depression is about. Not having an opportunity to get out of your depression. That's what depression is about. We can talk about that all day, and you can go to psychotherapy all day, but I'm telling you, it's about not having the different opportunities to weave yourself out of depression the way you weaved yourself into it. All right? So during CBT sessions, therapists and clients work together to identify negative thoughts and beliefs and develop those new strategies. Okay? The therapist may use a a lot of different techniques like cognitive restructuring, which involves identifying and challenging the negative thoughts, and behavioral activation, which involves setting some goals and taking actions to achieve those goals, right? So if you want to get out of a depression, you set yourself a goal. And it isn't like, I'm going to eat 12 pizzas today. I'm going to have, I'm going to eat the entire (laughs) freezer full of ice cream, right? We're not doing that. That's not a goal, all right? That's a life hack. CBT is typically short-term, right? Because it's supposed to bring success relatively quickly, okay? Um, It lasts between 12 and 20 weeks, and the therapy is usually structured and focused with specific goals and objectives that are agreed upon between the therapist and the client. Now, research has also shown that CBT is an effective treatment for a wide range of mental health conditions. It's often used in combination with other treatments, such as medication, to achieve the best results. So CBT is also often used as a preventative measure, measure, excuse me, to help people develop skills and strategies to manage stress and other challenges before they lead to more significant mental health issues. I think the CBT thing is, is a good idea. I think there is a goal involved. I think there's an end game involved because I think if if you if you you can keep talking, you know, you can just keep talking. And the more you talk, the less you do, right? Getting results is about doing, not talking about doing, okay? So in some cases, a combination of uh, psychotherapy and medications may be the most effective treatment for depression, right? Uh, It's essential for people who suffer from depression to seek help from a medical professional to determine the best course of treatment for their individual needs. So here's the thing about medication. Um, I'm not a big uh, psychotropic drug guy. I know that they're valuable. I do. I know that they work. I do. I've seen them work. I would never say you shouldn't do this or that. That's not who I am. I am the guy that gives you information, right? I will tell you this. I've been put on those drugs, and um, they made me like a zombie. I couldn't think. I couldn't move. I couldn't be me. And some people would say, hey, that's the whole point, <laughs> right? That's, that's the whole fucking point, guy, not being you. But that's not the point. There's a deep seed to me. There's a root to me. And it got to the root. And you're not allowed to do that. Nothing is allowed to get to my root. Right? Except for the soil I put it in and for the shit that I feed it. And it's the same for you, I promise. Right? Nothing's allowed to get to your root except where you bury it and what you feed it. And what you feed it is not what people are feeding you. It's what you accept from them. And that's another state of depression, isn't it? So we go to our Pew Research Center because I like the Pew Research. 
I think they're smart people. And if you look at them, you'll get a lot of good results. I promise. They do a lot of good work. This is what they do 24-7. Right? All right. More than 47,000 people die by suicide each year because of depression. Suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in this country. That's as of 2020. 12th leading. You know how many causes of death there are? For that to be even close to 10 is sad. And that tells you that there is a lot of people that need help. And help is what we should be giving, right? Okay. Um, From 1999 to 2019, uh, the suicide rate increased 33% across all sexes, races, and ethnicities. It didn't matter who you are. didn't matter what color you were. All it mattered was that you were American. Do you understand that statement? Because depression is the 51st state. It only matters that you are American. There is a systemic problem in this country with depression. It's coming from somewhere. You and I both know that. It isn't just self-made. You don't steep yourself in depression. You work yourself into depression. All right? You don't bury yourself into depression. You cover yourself in it. That's what happens with depression. And for people to be buried in depression in this country, there's a systemic issue in this country, right? Just like people used to talk about all of the suicides in Japan. Well, there's a problem in Japan, I promise. Well, now there's a problem here. What is it that's bothering those people that's bothering us? Is it the same thing? Where does all this depression start? Where does it start and where does it get unchecked at, right? Where do we frivolously dismiss depression which allows it to grow into the adult statehood that we fester it in. Where, where, where is that? That's, that's, that's teenagers. <laughs> that's your kids, right? Right? Tonight at the dinner table, you're going to look at that kid tonight and you're going to go, huh. hmm, hmm, I think I'm going to ask this question, <laughs> right? Uh, yes, please, ask it, okay? If you have teens and they have entered the online world, all right? Here's something you need to be looking at. As teen depression in the United States has risen in the past decades, most boys and girls are seeing mental health as, major, as a major problem. And this is a new survey from the Pew Research, so within the last year. In a survey of nearly 1,000 teens, ages 13 to 17, and this is a survey, so they're not telling you. They're telling the survey guy, all right, the piece of paper, all right? 70% say anxiety and depression are critical issues among their peers. 55% say bullying was a major problem. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Bullying is not a major problem, right? The lack of, how, the lack of knowledge of how you handle a bully is a major problem. In my opinion, there has always been bullies. We're looking at Putin and Zelensky right now. Putin's bullying Zelensky and Zelensky's bullying everybody else, okay? That shit's some trickle-down effect right there, I promise you, and we're seeing it. And that bullying stuff is not the thing you think it is. It's vicious, it's unkind, and children kill themselves over it. Yes, they do, and that's sad. But it is their lack of how to deal with a bully. It is their lack of opportunity and understanding to get out of that situation that creates the depression because they don't know what to do. Okay? And when you don't know what to do, right, 
That statement, ignorance is bliss, just doesn't apply here. Okay? So 55% said bullying was a major problem. 51% said drug addiction. And 45% said drinking and alcohol. And I'm going to tell you all of those come from the bullying thing or come from the lack of opportunity of, of how to deal with those things. Okay? Or even how not to be bullied. Right? What? Is there a class for how not to be bullied? Does that mean you have to be just as cool as everybody else? Or does that mean you have to do, the, do something different? than what you've been doing. All right, well, right? Those are things you teach your kids, right? Maybe that's another, another one of those podcasts. I don't know. 61% of teens say they felt a lot, a lot of pressure to get good grades, whereas only 29% said they felt a lot of pressure to look good, and 28% felt a lot of pressure to fit in socially. Oh, hmm. Not even 10% felt a lot of pressure to either be sexually active, use drugs, or drink alcohol. That's because they know they can make those decisions on their own. That's a stupid question to ask a teenager. Hey, do you feel peer pressure to drink alcohol? No, I want to do I want to do that. <laughs> it's not peer pressure. I promise you they want to do that stuff. Okay? It's the wrong question to ask them. But this other thing here, man, this 61% of teens that said they felt a lot of pressure to get good grades, you know, is that from their parents? Because I didn't pressure my kids to get good grades so much as I pressured my kids to learn. Right? Right? I didn't, right? I don't, what'd you learn in school today? That was the question I asked them. I didn't ask them, what'd you get on that test today? Because I didn't know they took one. I can, I can guarantee you that. No one was telling me they were taking tests. All right? I just saw them studying. And thank God. Okay? What we have today is a greater degree of visibility. And um, it very easily looks like an epidemic in mental health problems. 10 to 15 years ago, these were shameful things that nobody mentioned. Now teens talk openly about depression, right? They talk openly about depression. Teens and young adults face more pressure to achieve in school and in extracurricular activities. It is becoming a more competitive world, and they must play their part, and it brings competition much, much earlier. So it's actually an undermining of childhood. <clears throat> so if you really want to know why your kids are depressed, here's a simple solution. Let them sleep. I know a lot of parents are like, hey, you know, it's time to get up. Are you going to sleep all day? Well, yeah, right? If your teenager is 13, 14, 15, right, whatever they are, I, I would say that stops around 18 years old because development is, is nearly, nearly there. But um, between 13 and 17, if your kid's not sleeping in till 2 o'clock on a Saturday, right, I don't know what to tell you. They, they need that sleep in order to grow. I promise you. I know it sounds silly. Uh, and, 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 you know, my, listen, my wife yelled at me all the time. What are you letting the girls sleep for? Let, get them up already. I'm like, leave them alone. Let them sleep. They're teenagers. This is how they grow. I said, the reason I'm short is because I'm, I'm average height, right? But the reason I'm not six foot probably is because and my, everybody else in my family is is because my mother didn't want me sleeping. I was the oldest. I had to get up and do things. There's my brothers asleep and they're both six foot three. Really? I'm like, come on. I, I got short side. I got short, I got the short end of the stick on that one, folks. I got to tell you, that wasn't fair. And uh, it's it's it, you got to keep the teens off the medications, please. I I, I don't. I, you want to give them medications at twenty one? Go ahead. Go ahead. Let go ahead. Let them do what they want at that age. But um, as a teenager with their mind still developing, I I don't think that you should shut that off. I just don't think it should be shut off, right? I don't think it should be shut off. You do what you got to do. You're their parent. Nobody tells you how to be a parent. That would be terrible. I would never do that. But I just say. To me, I don't know. 
medications in teenagers. I think I think the only medication a teenager should be doing is smoking weed. That's that's basically it. Maybe dropping a couple of tabs of acid. What do you want me to tell you? I did it. You did it. You know you did. Don't lie. Okay. So this is this podcast isn't for isn't for you to be listening to me anyway. It's for me to be talking to the microphone. <laughs> um, both medication and human interaction can be effective in treating depression, but they work in different ways, right? And often used in combinations for best outcomes. Medications, right? They change the chemistry of the brain to help regulate mood and emotions. But teenagers' brains are not they're not connected properly yet. Uh, they can provide relatively quick relief for symptoms in many cases. So they can be effective in, in cases of severe chronic depression that do not respond to other forms of treatment. You know, it, they may not address the underlying causes of depression or provide long-term solutions without some kind of form of verbal treatment, though. Human interaction is extremely important for therapy. It isn't just about drugs. You've got to talk to these kids. You've got to start there. It's important to note that neither medication nor human interaction is inherently better than the other, right? Not one is better than the other when it comes to treating depression. There are different approaches to addressing the symptoms and underlying causes of depression and maybe more or less effective depending on the individual and the severity of their condition. In many cases, a combination of medication and human interactions is recommended for the best outcomes. Depression is a significant health concern. It can have severe consequences if left untreated. Depression can lead to loss of quality of life and the loss of other people's lives because you are depressed. Difficulty in maintaining relationships, problems with work and school, and in severe cases like we spoke about, suicide. It's crucial for people who experience symptoms of depression to seek help, support from family and friends. And it's more important for family and friends to recognize those signs of depression in your family and friends. Because they're not going to talk about it with you. You've got to sit there and say, hey, are you okay? I have noticed the following things. And, you know, let them have it. Right? Because depression is about someone who's sleeping. And they need to wake up. Okay? Depression is, is a common mental health disorder that can really, really impact your life. Those impactful moments happen most in the early stages of our lives as children, teens, and young adults even shapes and molds our personal constitutions. The causes and symptoms of depressions can vary, and so can the social cues, especially when those social cues are mostly on social media and not right in front of one another. It makes it harder and harder to effectively diagnose and treat depression. But guess what? You know, treatments are available, right? It's important for people who experience symptoms of depression, to seek help and support from medical professionals, from friends, from family, with proper recognition combined with treatment, people with depression can experience significant improvements in their mental health and quality of life. And now we get to the last part, right? The very last part. It's that whole, are you okay thing? You know, I've done this part in my life. I, I've done this one thing that I should never do. Hey, Joe, have you spoken to Bill lately? No, why? I don't know. It just seems like he's not feeling well. It seems like he's not doing well. And Joe looks at me and he goes, oh, no, I haven't noticed. Uh, maybe I should call him. Yeah, give him a call. You know, see if you notice anything. Let me know. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. 
Um, while that conversation sounds helpful, it's, that's like literally a death nail in the coffin, right? Because nobody's, nobody's, nobody's talking to Bill. Somebody's got to talk to Bill. Like, if you see something, say something to someone, right? I see it in my kids all the time. Like, I, I know when my kids are depressed, they're my kids. And when I see those, those markers, I say something right away. Hey, this is what I've seen today. What's going on? How come you're doing that? They don't even live with me. I mean, well, the one of them does, but two of them don't. And I still do it because I can see it. I can hear it in them. I know them implicitly. And you know your friends implicitly. You hear what they say. You see them at work. You know. And, and you, you get that feeling, right? And that feeling is, wow, something's off with, you know, Betty. Maybe I should talk to her, you know, girl to girl, right? You know, hey, look at Tom's put on a little bit of weight, man. What's going on with Tom? Hey, Tom, you all right, buddy? Eating a little bit too many, many hamburgers over there? Right? That's how guys do it, right? Women are like, hey, Betty, you know, I've noticed a few things and just want to know if you want to have a conversation with me. Maybe we can get some coffee one day. Maybe we can get some coffee today for lunch and sit down and talk and catch up. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, June. Of course. Yeah, of course. Guys are like, hey, man, look like you're putting on a couple of pounds. You feeling all right? <laughs> Either way is cool. I just want to tell you. Right? You know, if June did that to Betty, I mean, she'd probably lose a friend. Hey, Betty, you look like you're putting on a couple of pounds today. Uh, you feeling all right? Not, yeah, no, June, right? Go fuck yourself. Right? That's how that would end. But either way, say something to somebody, you know, not just because they're your friend, but because you love them. Right? I love you. I, and for 30 minutes, you get to love me. Thank God it isn't 45, right? Are you Huh? Thank God we're not talking for 45. This is Big Louie G with things you're not supposed to talk about. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here with me today. As always, have a great day.